When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. What am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. <laughs> Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story podcast. I'm your host, Isabel Hauser, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and will bring you back safely. It was a lovely Saturday morning. On my idle walk into town, I could already sense the crisp breath of autumn in the air, a welcome chill after the few weeks that felt like stepping inside an oven every time I left the house. I was just browsing the colorful display of fruit at a stall at the farmer's market when I heard someone call my name. I turned and saw my sister waving at me, making her way towards me. I just got the loveliest bouquet of flowers, she said and fished something wrapped in newspaper from her shopping basket. And I want you to have it. I peered inside the newspaper. It was indeed a beautiful arrangement of late summer blooms, small sunflowers, deep yellow, orange and purple other blossoms. Thank you, I said, pleasantly surprised by this unexpected gift. Put it into my own bag finished my shopping and then made my way home. In the garden I bumped into my neighbor who told me the latest gossip of the neighborhood. We had a hearty laugh and I was still chuckling to myself as I let myself into my apartment, put the shopping away and then fetched a vase to put the flowers in. As I unwrapped the newspaper, I gasped. The entire bouquet of flowers had changed color. The first teller for this episode is Virginia Fox. Based in Colorado, Virginia followed her second career path as a published author of children's stories after her retirement from the school district. However, it was in storytelling that her true light shone. Through her business, Fox Tales, she educated, entertained and mesmerized audiences. And this is her sharing the story of Mako the Stonecutter. Stories grow from long-ago seeds. Just as an acorn sends down roots as it shoots up leaves across the sky, stories are rooted deeply in the past, and yet they still live and grow today. They spread through our modern world with branches as wide and sturdy as any oak tree. They ground us in yesterday, and they help us to make sense of both the present and the future. Once upon a time, long, long ago, and far, far away, there lived a man whose name was Miko. Now Miko was a stone cutter and he was a very good stone cutter. The stones that he cut were used to build the palace and many beautiful buildings across the land. 
and yet Miko was dissatisfied. He said, I am not a powerful man. How can I be powerful, like the prince who rides by every day with his entourage? I wish I were the prince. And the spirit of the mountain heard. And Miko became a prince. Oh, he was so happy. He felt powerful as he walked across the land and out of his castle and viewed all of his crops and his fields. And then one day, as he came out, he saw that the crops had been burned down to the ground by the fierce sun and his flowers were wilted and faded away. And he said, Why, I am not powerful at all. The sun is more powerful than I am. I wish I were the sun. And the spirit of the mountain heard. And Miko became one with the sun. And he shined down gently upon the earth and made people warm and happy. And then when he felt angry, he burned the crops and the land, and he felt very powerful indeed, until one day he felt the rays of the sun were not reaching the earth, and he thought, what? What is the matter? And he saw the clouds were covering his face, many clouds, and he thought, the clouds must be more powerful than the sun. I want to be a cloud. And the spirit of the mountain heard. And he was one with the clouds. And he raced through the sky. And he felt very powerful indeed, blocking out the sun whenever he chose. And then one day... He felt himself being pushed along, pushed along, where he did not want to go, and he knew it was the wind, and he said, I have been mistaken. The clouds are not the most powerful thing on earth. It must be the wind. I want to be one with the wind. And the spirit of the mountain heard and he became one with the wind. And he blew his gentle breeze and made people happy. And when he was angry, he blew his fierce wind and did great destruction. And one day he saw the tall, tall mountain and he thought, that mountain looks most proud. I will show him who is the most powerful. And he blew, and he gathered his awful forces, and blew and blew. Many trees and rocks blew from the mountain, but the mountain itself stood erect. And he said, The mountain must be the most powerful thing in the world. I must be one with the mountain. And the spirit of the mountain heard. 
And Miko became one with the mountain, and he felt very powerful indeed, looking down over the whole land, the tallest, the biggest, ah, the most powerful. And then one day, he felt something at his feet. Oh, 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 that hurts. What? What is happening? And he looked down, and at the foot of the mountain was a stone cutter, chip, chip, chipping away at the mountain. Oh, how foolish I have been. I want to be a stone cutter. And the spirit of the mountain heard, and Miko lived out his life content being a stone cutter. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Odysseus Mediterranean Cruises. Are you looking for a -a once-in-a-lifetime holiday in the breathtaking Mediterranean? Look no further and sign up to a sailing adventure with Odysseus Mediterranean Cruises. Cruise the azure blue waters in search of the Golden Fleece or discover the many flavors of Mediterranean culinary delights, from olive oil toasting to feta cheese making. Venture all around the historical sites and sites on our archaeology tour or sign up for our most exclusive and unique cruise yet the original Odyssey. On this spectacular fortnight tour, we travel through time to meet Odysseus himself. On a remote island, we will listen to him tell the tragic and thrilling tale of his adventures. Outings on land include a weaving workshop with Penelope and a dinner at the foot of Mount Olympus, where the ambrosia will flow plentifully. Discover the magic of the Mediterranean with the ancient and most exciting way of traveling. Our fleet of cruise ships, from ancient to high-tech, will cater to every traveling type and need. Our seasoned tour guides will be more than happy to share the endless depth of their knowledge with you. Odysseus Mediterranean Cruises. Sail away to your most unforgettable holiday. This episode is also brought to you by our new patrons Megans with Sonia and Alex. And like all patrons of the podcast and the arts, they have a magical gift. Megan has a magical grandfather clock with which she can rewind time and carve out a maximum of one extra hour every day. However, she can only use it for pleasurable activities. Sonia has a magical snack box. She can tap it three times with her knuckles and when she opens it, the snack she wished for will be inside. And Alex, Alex is friends with a magical squirrel. It shows up on his windowsill every night and shares with him the wildest stories from the animal kingdom. I hear those bedtime stories are just as exciting as this podcast. And just like stories need listeners to come alive, the podcast needs you as supporters. Be like Megan, Sonia and Alex. Join us at patreon.com forward slash storystorypodcast or storystorypodcast.com. Feel the plentiful magic for as little as $4 a month. 
We also love reading from you, be it a review on Apple Podcasts or an email at storystorypodcast at gmail.com. Share your favorite stories, wishes, hopes, and dreams. A foamy thank you to all the patrons who make this podcast possible. You are the sprinkle of cocoa on our morning cappuccino. The flowers were no longer the deep, rich colors of late summer. Now they were a lemony yellow, baby blue, popping red, crisp white. I was baffled. It was still a beautiful bouquet, so I put it in the vase anyway and set it on my coffee table. The day went on, as idly and uneventful as it had begun. Later that night I sat down at the harp to work on a piece I had recently discovered. Focused on the sheep music I plucked away, delving into the dramatic, heart-wrenching composition. Once I looked up and saw the strangest thing. As I played, the colors in the petals were swirling and changing, and when the last note faded away, they settled on the deepest, most velvety shades of purple and blue. And so it continued. The flowers kept on changing their color, from delicate blush tones when I was on the phone with my sweetheart to furious red hues when I was working from home the next day. Watching them was a marvel. Unfortunately, the constant change seemed to exhaust the flowers and after three days they withered and wilted away. I might go to the farmer's market again on Saturday to try and get another magical bouquet or perhaps I won't because sometimes experiencing something special just this one time is what makes it even more precious. The second teller for this episode is our very own Rachel Ann Harding. Of course you already know her. She is the formidable storyteller and force and inspiration behind this podcast, which we all love and appreciate so much. And she has just received the Oracle Award presented by the National Storytelling Network. It is given to those who have excelled in their art and or made significant contributions to storytelling. I couldn't think of anyone more deserving, and I'm delighted that on this episode, Anne shares the story of Buddha and the whale. This story comes from Japan. And in Japan, the way they say long, long ago is mukashi, mukashi. So we'll begin the story that way. Mukashi, mukashi. A blue whale was swimming off the north coast of Japan. The whale surfaced to blow out a spray of salt water, and he heard the sailors gossiping. They say that the statue of the Buddha of Kamakura is covered in gold, and the moon makes it shine even at night. The Buddha of Kamakura is bigger than any statue in Japan. The whale was listening and laughed. Something that big? What? That was ridiculous. He was the biggest thing on earth. But when the whale surfaced again, blew a geyser of water in the air, and listened some more. I've not seen it, said a sailor. But my brother says that in the summer, the roads are crowded with pilgrims dressed in white. They say they are going there to pray, but really, I think they just want to see the statue. Everyone says the Buddha of Kamakura is the biggest thing in earth, air, 
and ocean. The whale slipped beneath the surface, but the gossip had stung. Wasn't he the biggest thing anywhere? The whale saw more and more shadows of ships on the sea, and soon, every time he came up to breathe, he could hear the sailors praising the statue. The whale talked to the other creatures in the ocean. Jellyfish, octopi, schools of fish that didn't have a brain among them, they too had heard of the statue and how it was bigger than anything else on earth, air, or ocean. The whale was deeply distressed and threw quite the temper tantrum. He knocked into ships, snapped at fish around him, and was generally unpleasant. Finally, the whale could stand it no longer and called the only creature brave enough to come close to him. The shark. Do you think the rumors about the Buddha of Kamakura are true? Could the men on land build something so big? The shark thought, Well, what one hand cannot do, many can accomplish. It might be true. Then go to the southern sea and find out for me. I must know. The shark swam for many days to the southern shores. But unfortunately, the temple was half a mile inland, and sharks are not known for their ability to walk on land. He could see the temple gleaming, smell the incense drifting out to sea, but he could not measure the statue as the whale requested. But sharks, sharks are cunning. Swimming to a flotilla of junks, small boats that people live on, the shark found that everyone was taking their midday nap. All except a rat, who was quite shocked, but flattered that a shark would wish to talk to her. Honorable rat, I must ask if you would do a favor for me. The shark told the rat of his quest, and she agreed to make the journey. The shark watched as the rat scurried away, and then swam a safe distance from shore, away from harpoons and nets. Rat took a long time to reach the temple. If you've ever thought half a mile was a long journey, you can only imagine how long it is to a rat. The moon was high in the sky, and all were sleeping on the ships, the shark turning circles in the water offshore when he heard the rat. Honorable shark, are you there? The shark swam towards the sound and saw the rat perched on the bow of the boat, leaning over the water. Honorable rat, have you finally returned? It took me a long time to get there. I had to wait until dark because the temple had cats. You didn't tell me the temple would have cats. I waited till all were asleep and I went to the shrine. The statue was so big. I was not sure how I would measure it. I decided to count the number of steps it took to go around the statue and that took a long time. So how big was it? It took me 5,000 steps to get around it. I've never seen anything so big. The Buddha of Kamakura is surely bigger than the whale. The shark swam back to the northern sea and found the whale. He told the whale what the rat said, and the statue was 500 steps big. The whale was so distressed, it heaved great belly flops into the water over and over again. When he finally settled down, the whale realized that something so big should be seen with his own eyes, and he swam down to the southern seas. Now, sharks might not be known for walking on land, but some whales have special shoes that make this possible. The whale put on its geta, 
platform shoes so it would not get muddy tail fins. And when the sun set, the whale walked out of the water and with short steps, as tail fins aren't very long, made his way to the temple. As the whale grew close, the shrine of the Buddha grew more and more dazzling. The smell of incense and sweet offerings surrounded the temple, and the flickering candles on the shrine cast a peaceful glow. The whale looked at the statue. The Buddha of Kamakura was huge and magnificent. The whale was a little intimidated by the statue and turned to go back to the ocean when the Buddha of Kamakura opened his eyes and smiled at the whale. Who are you? I am the whale of the great northern sea. I heard of your lustrous size and I had to see for myself who was bigger, you or me. But now, seeing your golden splendor, I feel quite silly and will go back to the ocean. <laughs> the Buddha smiled even bigger. Oh, you are a magnificently large creature. I would be happy to see who is bigger, since it was so important to you that you came out of the ocean to see me. But we should step outside, so we have room to stand up straight. The Statue of the Buddha with a grinding of metal and a trembling of earth, got up off the dais and followed the whale outside. The noise woke the abbot, the man in charge of the temple, who ran to see what was happening and about fainted to see the statue of the Buddha was missing. Darting outside, he almost ran into the Buddha's golden foot. He looked up, seeing the golden robes, the long hands, and the face of the Buddha of Kamakura, the Buddha looked down at him kindly. Honorable Abbot, would you measure me and the whale from the great northern sea to determine who is taller? The Abbot saw the gaiters of the whale, his tail fins, the big round chest, the enormous mouth, and tiny eyes looking down at him, and could only nod. So the whale and the Buddha did what many children do. They stood back to back and let the Abbot measure them. The abbot used his prayer beads, his mala, to measure the two very big, very tall creatures. When he was done, the abbot stood on the stone steps and looked at the enormous statue and the enormous whale. Holy Buddha, honorable whale, I must tell you the truth. The whale is taller by two inches. I'm sorry, holy Buddha, we did not make you taller. Forgive me. The whale was Overjoyed, he spouted water and, bowing to the Buddha, strutted down the mountain to the beach, where he did celebratory belly flops in the bay, which almost sank a few boats. The Buddha smiled as he watched the whale frolic, and then quietly settled back onto his dais. Before he closed his eyes, he looked at the abbot. Thank you for your assistance, dear abbot. I'm glad the whale was so happy about being two inches taller. But isn't it curious, when we measured back to back, the whale didn't take off his shoes? The abbot looked shocked. But that means... The Buddha only smiled and closed his eyes and resumed his meditation, which he has continued to this very day. If you don't believe me, you can Google the statue of the Buddha of Kamakura. He is still there. And if you look closely, he is still smiling.
Thank you for listening to the Story Story podcast. Show the love. Find Rachel Ann Harding at rachelannharding.com and, of course, here on the podcast. Tell her you heard her on the podcast and now want to hear her tell more stories. I know I do. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, you can send them to us at storystorypodcast at gmail.com. You can also connect with me directly at isabelhauser.com. If you get in touch, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The inspiration for the fairy tale sponsor was my upcoming holiday to Corfu, a Greek island with my sweetheart. The true fairy tale was indeed inspired by a bouquet from the farmer's market that my sister gave to me this past Saturday. And the music, as always, is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You will hear more stories next week. But until then... Live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door, and there on the doorstep, wrapped in his own blanket, was her baby. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day, when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.